Hello and welcome to Gendering Geopolitics, my short series where I have quick 10-minute conversations with women who are doing incredible work around the world. My name is Emily Prey and I'm a senior analyst at the New Lines Institute in Washington, D.C. Today I have the honor of speaking with Lesia Vasilenko, a Ukrainian member of parliament, about the war and specifically the sexual violence and rape that has been Thank you so much for joining me, Lesia. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. And I apologize that the setting is, is slightly informal, but we have to do the best we can before before it's actually curfew in Kiev. Yes, of course. Yes. So you're coming from Kiev and can give us some information about what's, what's, what it's like on the ground there. Um, you've been such a strong voice for victims and survivors of rape and sexual assault in this war. There's been a lot of talk about the Russian forces using rape as a method of war. But for anyone who's been watching Ukraine, this shouldn't be a surprise because for the last eight years, Russian-backed forces have used sexual violence on a very large scale against Ukrainian women, particularly in unlawful detention centers. Why was this not expected and not prepared for more by the international community, do you think? You know, uh, rape is, is, is such a crime that you really don't want to think about it unless it happens and after it happens. Uh, it's and this this makes it even worse because you know for for all the other crimes, you, you it, people are more comfortable speaking about them, people are more comfortable addressing them. But when it comes down uh, to rape being used as a weapon of war, you really you really don't want to to assume the worst and to to think the worst. But now the uh, the cases which are being brought to light the atrocity and just the uh, the details they are uh, they're dumbfounding and uh, you know it's hard to imagine anybody even thinking of doing that let alone actually going ahead and doing that just today uh, we had information coming in from our ombudswoman um, she Ludmila Denisova who has uh, posted that uh nine uh, that uh nine women were found raped and uh all of them were were executed at the end that they were uh held in a basement for uh several days and that they were raped repeatedly and then just after that we have the secret service of ukraine who has uh published security service of ukraine sorry who have published a transcript of uh, intercepted conversations between a Russian soldier and his wife back in Russia. And she is telling her husband, you go ahead and you rape as many Ukrainian women as you can, but just make sure that you use contraception so that you don't bring anything back. This is this is insane. Like, I, I have no words. I, I mean, I, I have a good vocabulary normally. But here, like the, the words just escape me. I don't know how to call this. I, I don't understand this. I There's no way, like, you know, you're saying it's been happening for eight years. There were cases in detention centers. 
but not here, not in Ukraine, not 20 kilometers from Kiev, not uh, in, in peaceful towns and uh, cities where, where people wanted to, you know, start their families and not in such horrendous, absolutely disgusting circumstances uh, in which the Russian soldiers put Ukrainian women in and which are then also endorsed by Russian women. That's absolutely horrific. And like you, there there just are no words to describe the feelings of, of when you hear things like that. Um, I also saw reports from Ukraine's ombudsman that there were about 25 girls and women aged 14 to 24 who were systematically raped um, during the occupation of Bucha and nine of them are now pregnant. And she said that Russian soldiers told them they would rape them to the point where they wouldn't want sexual contact with any man to prevent them from having Ukrainian children. And another woman who was 83 years old was raped and said, I wish he had killed me instead of what he did. Everything hurts. I'm in a state where I'm neither dead nor alive. Now this is in addition to Russia simplifying the adoption of Ukrainian children who were stolen and deported to Russia during the war. Do you think that Russia is committing genocide? Absolutely. I mean, every single war crime that they are committing in Ukraine, and there are many, every single one of them amounts to the crime of genocide. They are targeting particularly Ukrainians, the Ukrainian nation as such. Putin has on many occasions said that he doesn't recognize the independence of Ukraine, he doesn't recognize Ukraine as a country, and he doesn't recognize Ukrainian people as a nation. He doesn't recognize our right to freedom, and he doesn't recognize our right to exist. And all of this war which is being waged against us now by the Russians is a war targeted against Ukrainians and aimed to exterminate Ukrainians as a nation, to wipe us off from the face of the earth. And this is also the reason why we Ukrainians are fighting so hard, because we are fighting for the very fact of our existence. So in Bucha and other places, Russian soldiers are using tactics that we previously associated with terrorist groups like ISIS, where they're beheading their victims and torturing, after torturing and or killing them. What does this say about Russia's goals during the war? Look, uh, the Russian army, all of it, soldiers, generals alike, they are war criminals. They have broken every rule there was to break in the international humanitarian law rulebook. They are worse than terrorist organizations. This is a terrorist state. And the worst thing is that the population of Russia is actually supporting and endorsing such strategy from their government, from their president, and from their army. Uh, this can be seen through many intercepted uh, conversations with, with the family members of the Russian army. And we can see it clearly because the people in Russia, 50 million, they're not exactly coming out in the streets in protests. There's, there's, there's very, very few people who are actually saying something uh, because Putin has done his homework, you know, he, he has uh, cleared out all of the opposition, he has destroyed any kind of uh, elements that uh, could, could uh, say, uh, say anything against him, that could speak out. He continues to arrest the protesters in Russia, but again, he is able to do that because too few people actually come out on the street 
wrong with the way that things are run in Russia. And that's the problem. Essentially, the whole of that country is a big, big problem, not just for Ukraine, but for peace and security in the world. In Bucha and other places, Russian... Oh, sorry. Can you... Um, I'm sorry, I don't bit. hear you. There's uh, some, some technical story because I see your mouth move, but I don't hear you. Can you hear me now? Uh, the unfortunate technical difficulties of speaking across the world. Um, well, Lesia, still no, sorry. Still no. Well, it was great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. And um, good luck with, with the rest of your work. I, I, I'd be happy to if uh, we resume this conversation uh, tomorrow or on another day. I'd be honored to continue this. And thank you. Thank you for highlighting it and uh, the topics around Ukraine and what is happening in Ukraine as we speak. I think it's important for the world to hear it. And thank you for giving the platform to do that. Absolutely. Thank you, Lesia. Thank you.